Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Abiding love. The love of God. That's what we're going to be looking at this morning. As again, this is the first part of a two-part series, Abiding Love. Today, we're going to be looking at the love of God. And next week, we'll be looking at the love of others. Love is a powerful phenomenon. And I use the word phenomenon because it's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. It is more than even the experiences that make us feel uh, nice and tingly inside when we, when we see that, that one that maybe captures our hearts. Uh, speaking of our, maybe our, our spouse uh, or... Uh, for any young people we have in here, some of our teenagers, maybe that one you're going to think about dating one day or something or whatnot. But we think about love and we oftentimes we use, we throw around that term so often uh, and, and we really don't truly understand, I think, from especially a biblical uh, proportion and from a biblical idea what love is supposed to look like and what it is supposed to be and what it is supposed to encompass in our hearts and in our lives and, and through our lives. It is something that is supposed to, again, be deeper and uh, wider uh, than any uh, thing we can imagine. It's often, again, used uh, in, in the form of affection. I think oftentimes when I think, uh, when we use the word love and we're talking about affection, it's really more infatuation uh, uh, or it's, again, attraction. Uh, it's maybe, again, what may, makes us happy uh, or makes, makes us excited. But this idea of love, especially agape love, there are, diff- there are actually three different uh, types of love uh, in the Greek language. You have uh, phileo love, which is uh, brotherly love, uh, kind of like love you would have for your brother or your sister. Uh, then you have uh, uh, eros love, which is more erotic love. It's the love you might have, again, for your spouse. And then you have agape love. Agape love, again, is a much deeper understanding of love. And that's why I use the word phenomena, because it's more than a feeling, it's more than emotion. It is something that attracts us to the one that we feel, the one that we have this experience with, the one that we love. Have you ever noticed, I remember when I was young, um, especially when uh, maybe in kindergarten or first grade, when they would sit you out uh, in, in those centers in class, and you would play with the blocks, and then you would play with the sand. And then there was always a section where you'd have magnets, and you would play with the magnets. And especially when you were younger, you, you, you would get magnets stuck together, and it would, you'd almost have to get an adult to pry them apart. Because again, once those magnets start to come closer and closer together, and they get to a certain point, they just come together. And once they come together, 
it is almost impossible if, they, if that magnetism is strong enough to pull them apart. That is the way love ought to look when it comes to the Father. When ultimately we look at our, our, our Heavenly Father and we profess our love for Him, the closer and closer we get to Him, the more and more we should be attracted to Him. The more and more we should want to be with Him. The more and more we should want uh, to experience all that He has, the vastness uh, of, the, of, of what He wants to give us. Well, Jesus is about to prepare to leave this earth and he begins to teach the disciples one last time, one last sermon, if you will, one last message. They've already had the Last Supper. They've already shared in, uh, the bread and the wine. And they've come now to a time of just reflection. There is a vital connection that existed with Jesus and his disciples. And as he prepares to leave them, he speaks to them about this abiding love, which defines the positions of each party, the pruning that's going to take place, and the production that results from such an abiding love. Let's look first, if you will, at the position of each party, or the players, if you will, in this story or in this message. Look again at verses 1 through 3. It says in chapter 15 of John's Gospel, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, I'll stop right there if you will. As Jesus begins to teach about this abiding love, he first acknowledges the position of God our Father as the gardener. Jesus is the Son or the vine. And then the disciples, the followers, those that are, are listening, even us here today. We are the branches that are connected to the vine and ultimately cared for by the gardener, by God. It's important to know our place and to know how Jesus and God, the Father, should relate to our lives. If we, we make our church or our faith experience too much about ourselves, we become in danger of making ourselves the vine. When the Word tells us there is but one true vine, and that is Jesus Christ. The relationship between the Father and the Son, the gardener and the vine, is where this abiding love starts. It's a unique relationship. We have to remember the thread of this unique relationship that be began all the way back at the beginning. Even in our gospel that we're looking at this morning, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it states, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. He was God in the beginning. So there was never a time where God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, were apart. They've always been together. They are always, toge they're always connected 
by this abiding love, by this agape love, by this commitment that is love. That's the word I think we often fail to realize about the true experience that love entails, the word commitment. In fact, if there was, even, if there was a word that I could most closely associate with what love should be, it would be commitment. Because feel it, look, I, I'll be the first one to tell you, I don't like her all the time. And I know she don't like me all the time. I know she don't like me half the time, probably. But we love each other. We're committed to each other. And even though we have moments where we may fall in and out of likeness, we love one another. We are committed to one another. And so we see that just as God, even Jesus, as he was sitting there in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, right before he goes to the, Lord, the Last Supper and leads them in uh, the breaking of that bread and the, the, the sharing of that cup, he gets on his knees and he prays a very, a very human prayer for God to take this cup from him, to spare him. He even, he even claims there on the cross or cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We can relate to the human uh, experience of Jesus. And it's, and it's so important for us to remember that it's very possible that even Jesus maybe fell in and out of likeness with God the Father. I know that's hard to wrap our minds around, and we don't fully understand. We can, we can never fully understand and grasp the depths of that relationship. We can only begin to even just uh, scrape the surface. What's exciting about seeing their relationship is that even though he experienced this uh, human side or this human element, Jesus remained committed because he was bound by an agape love, by a commitment that is what we should truly aim to emulate. So as we see, the gardener is first explained as God the Father, the one who watches over the vine, the one who takes action like that of the vine dresser, the one who secures the fruitfulness. Now, now, just for a minute here, take yourself back into uh, these times, these ancient times, the, the biblical times. Wine was a very um, important commodity. You couldn't always get your hands on fresh, clean water. Right? You know, we don't have running water back then. So you didn't have Coca-Cola. Uh, you didn't have uh, lemonade and, and, and all the choices we have today. It was wine or Alcohol, some kind of alcoholic beverage that you would ferment, or it was water. And again, in this uh, area of the world, it's desolate, it's dry. Oftentimes, what you make do with is wine. And so, again, people would understand this illustration so much more profoundly in the context of their lives because they knew that being a vine dresser, being someone who would take care of such an important commodity, was understandable. 
And so we maybe read this text today and we think, oh, uh, oh, it's just a gardener out. He's just out planting some, you know, nice bushes or some flowers or maybe a little garden, maybe some uh, fruits and vegetables. He, no, this is uh, an example of how uh, important the gardener and ultimately the vine is to this experience of this abiding love. The job of the gardener is to cultivate the vine and ultimately the branches. So every fruitless branch, the Word tells us in verse 2, He cuts off, He takes away. God is the one who prunes. God is the one who disciplines. God is the one who sharpens us, helps us to see the parts in even our own lives that we need to root out so that we can become more fruitful and grow. Action of the Father is to cleanse His people so that they will live fruitful lives. Then comes the vine. The vine is bearing fruit, being the only reason for the vine's purpose. In other words, if we were going to have this abundant, everlasting life that God wants us to have, again, to restore the relationship that was severed and broken all the way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve uh, ultimately chose to go their own path and go their own way, if that relationship is ever going to be restored and uh, that abundance of life is ever going to be, uh, come to reality, the vine must be present. And so that is the only reason that Jesus was sent. Not for some experiment, not just so that God could even relate to us. God created us. He doesn't need to relate to us. He created us. So Jesus was sent for the sole purpose of restoring the relationship that we broke. And so out of grace and out of mercy, God the Father, in His deep agape love, abiding love, sent the Son, Jesus Christ, for the purpose of bearing fruit or bearing abundant life. In a vineyard, fruit, fruitfulness is not simply desirable. Again, it's not just some weekend gardening project we're talking about here. In the vineyard, it's about the business. It's about thriving. It's about making sure that you are producing something that is growing and living and vibrant. Jesus is encouraging His disciples, His followers, how to live in such a way as to progress spiritually and become a more fruitful people or a more fruitful branch. This entire relationship hinges on this connectivity. You ever, you ever been sitting in the car and maybe your signal kind of goes in and out? You're, you're maybe riding in some back roads. Or maybe if you're, if you're even like, like me and uh, you've been putting off replacing your car stereo for uh, way too long and there's by probably just a couple of wires that need to be tightened. And so as you're riding down the road, if you hit a certain bump, all of a sudden the volume just would go out. And my, This is my old truck. It would just go out. And if it wouldn't come back, 
by hitting another bump. I just slammed, hit, slammed the, uh, the console up there at the top, and boom, I'd have radio again. It was a whole lot more simple, uh, simpler than to have to figure out how to pull all the wiring out. But again, the reason that was happening was probably one simple bad connection. But that simple connection that we think is so minute is ultimately what produces the signal. Well, this connectivity between God the Father and God the Son and ultimately through us is so vitally important. That is why it is important for us to invest every part of our uh, existence in living for the Father, living for God, making sure that whether it's our work or whether it's our, our play, our, voca- our, our, our vacationing, uh, whether it's um, whatever, whatever our experience is in this earth and, on, and in our lives, it should be bound and it should be centered and rooted in living for God. Making sure that that connection is always there so that we always get the signal. How can we ever profess to be living according to God's will if we are not in Christ? If we are not in relationship with Him? If we are not connected to Him? Whether it's through the study of His Word or whether it's through investing in a a fellowship as you are here today worshiping and, and fellowshipping with one another whether it's through going out into the uh, community and serving together alongside one another, whether it's, again, uh, being committed to your vocation or in your work, sharing Christ with those around you, whatever it may look like or however it may be fleshed out in our lives, that connection ultimately allows us to be able to get the signal to live through the will of God. The branches, us, the final player in this abiding love. Us as followers, disciples of Jesus Christ, are the branches that are grafted into this abiding love. Now notice I use that term grafted because again, we severed that relationship all the way back in the creation story. And so because of our actions and because of the sin that that uh, that we have in our hearts and in our lives, we cause the relationship to be broken or severed. And so to be adopted or to be grafted in is the work of ultimately God the Father through the life, death, and resurrection of God the Son, Jesus Christ. And so we are then grafted in to this vine, to this relationship. Now because of this connection because of this abiding love that exists between the Father and Son and ultimately gets expressed through the relationship that we can have through Jesus Christ. As I've mentioned, we still have sin. We still have moments in which we don't live connected like we should. We're, we're riding down the road and we have that loose connection. We hit that bump. Uh, life gets a little tough. Life gets a, a little bit more struggle in it. And for one reason or another, the connection gets loose. And so we need to be pruned. We need to be disciplined. We need to be prepared to ultimately produce and bear fruit. 
to have this abiding love prevail in our lives. So we see the players, the gardener, God the Father, the vine, God the Son, Jesus Christ, the branches, us, the followers, the disciples, the, those that, uh, the church, his church. Let's look at the pruning that takes place, the preparation. Before we actually look at that verse, Survivor's back on. I'm a big Survivor fan. How many, raise your hand, big Survivor fans here. Okay, a few shaking heads. All right. I'm a big Survivor fan, Sarah and I. Didn't watch the first few seasons, but really got into it after about maybe a third or fourth season. Been a big, uh, big diehard. We don't, I don't, we don't have parties and all that, but we're, we watch it. We're pretty loyal uh, Survivor fans. And, and, and one of the things that is a staple uh, of Survivor is, is building a fire. It's something so simple that, again, is, but, but yet is so vital to uh, being able to survive, being able to stay warm, being able to uh, have clean water, being able to uh, have the things around camp that you need to ultimately propel yourself in, in the game, but also even when we're talking about the survival of life, fire is so important, it's so vital. When you, when you go to build a good fire which is uh, coming back to Survivor, when they were, if they were going to settle any final uh, uh, tie or, or any kind of um, deadlock in, uh, in trying to vote off that cast member, they would build a fire. And whoever built the best fire, or the quickest fire, or the best fire, would win that challenge. The first thing that you have to have is kindling. Then you have to have, again, something that's going to burn. You've got to have some good wood. The best kind of wood is that, that dead wood, the wood that's dried out. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to go out and just chop a tree down and burn it because it's full of life. It's full of moisture and all kinds of things, and I won't get into the science. I'm not a scientist. But you see that ultimately there are certain preparation that takes place when building a good fire. And so... Likewise, when we look at uh, His Word this morning, we look at this text, we see that there are three different kinds of branches, if you will, that the text speaks about. First of all, there is the dead branch, the one that's cut off, the one that is thrown into the fire. That, that's really where that initial fire just gets started. The throwaway branch, the kindling. Look at verse 6, if you will. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. A branch that is cut off, that is dying, that has no life in it, is good for nothing but being burned and consumed. To being thrown away. Then there's really two other kinds of branches that are mentioned here in the text. The pruned branch and the fruitful connected branch. And this is usually where we always, throughout our, our Christian uh, journey, throughout our entire lives as a uh, living, living out as a Christian, we're going to find ourselves probably vacillating between being a, a, a pruned branch and being a fruitful, uh, uh, growing branch. 
Because, again, there are times in our lives where we struggle more with, with sin or we struggle more with uh, trials and tribulations and we feel less connected. And, again, if we're less connected, it's because of something in our lives. But we know where we have to turn in order to ultimately become fruitful once again, and that is to turn to the Father, ultimately the gardener who will prune us, who will discipline us, where we see in verses 4 and 5. Remain, verse 4, uh, in chapter, John chapter 15, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Right there, again, we cannot produce fruit. We cannot produce life without being connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. When we die, if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is why we profess and we testify to the truth and to the uh, uh, realization that we must have a relationship with Jesus Christ because if we don't, then we know that when we die, there is no everlasting life. There is no abundant life. The text tells us very plainly and very clearly here that apart from the vine, apart from Jesus Christ, we cannot experience abundant life. So to abide is to remain. It is to constantly be in Christ, to be in relationship. Now, that doesn't mean we always have to be walking that tightrope, and if we fall off, then we're just doomed. Because after all, as I mentioned before, this relationship right here between my wife and, and myself, we have moments where we're in sync, and we're walking along, and everything seems great, and all of a sudden, I don't take the trash out like I'm supposed to. Uh, she doesn't. Well, it's usually me, but anyway, you get the picture. <laughs> I'll, I'll stay right there. I don't want to get in too much trouble. But again, it's usually me. I didn't do something, or I, I, I messed up. And again, our relationship gets off a little bit. But it doesn't mean our relationship just goes away. It doesn't get completely erased. It just means that we have to work. We have to work on it. We're in relationship. So the same thing is true with our, our relationship or our connection to this vine. So to remain in Christ, and Christ remains in us. It becomes a two-way street, a relationship, a living, breathing existence that produces life. This connection cannot be separated and is necessary to produce fruitfulness. That's where we pick up in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 says, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. The same sentiment is, 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 is here, but said in a different way. Apart from Christ, we can do or accomplish nothing. There is a mutual indwelling between the vine and the branches, but they have different roles, very different roles. In Christ is the only way to produce fruit, which is the job of the branch, which is, again, the purpose. It's the reason that we were created in the first place, to be, uh, 
to have a relationship with God, to be living with Him in that garden. That was the original design so that God could have companionship, that He could have a relationship with His, with his creation. And he, he most wanted to express that through the creation of humanity, through man and through woman. It comes down to whether or not this abiding love is producing fruit in our lives. Fruit in our lives, most simply put, is the existence of, of evidence of the life and relationship of Jesus Christ shining through us. It's a kind of production that reveals this abiding love that we're speaking of. And ultimately, this abundant, everlasting life that's founded and bound in this abiding, agape love. Which is ultimately what we are to produce when we are to be fruitful. We see the players. We see God as the gardener, the father. We see Jesus as the vine. We see us as the branches. We, we, we've seen that we need to be pruned. We need to be sharpened. We need to be disciplined. We need to be making sure that connection is always a, a, a priority in our lives. All in an effort to produce this abundant, everlasting life that we claim to, to cling to, that we claim to hope for, that we claim to anticipate. So we see in verses 7 and 8, what is promised. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. And we, we had a Bible study a couple weeks ago with uh, a group about that, Simple verse, really, we really unloaded on that one, and I could preach almost a whole sermon on that. We won't go there tonight, <laughs> or this morning. Verse 8, though. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's what we're supposed to be producing. That's what this abiding love, the love of God the Father that is extended through the vine of Jesus Christ and ultimately out through the branches to ultimately show that we are His followers and that we are His examples and His disciples and the evidence and experience of what we claim to hope and what we claim to anticipate and what we claim to live for. That's why it's so important that we, we might make sure that our, our actions line up with what we claim to believe and cling to. You know, the only way to ever win or to ever experience abundance is to take chances, is to take a risk. I'm not, I'm not, don't, don't hear me this morning saying that I want you all to go out and gamble. But if you're in Las Vegas and you're going to strike it big, you never can win if you don't ante up, if you don't put something in the pot. The same is true when it comes to producing fruit in our, in our lives, in our, in our experience here on this earth. We're never going to experience uh, fruit bearing as 
uh, as a church or, or as a people or as individuals if we don't take chances, if we don't take that risk to step out there on faith and let God use us. Whether, again, it's uh, through talking to some coworker that's on your heart at work or whether it, it's just speaking to that neighbor down the street or, or really getting out into the community. The only way to have production is to take a chance. It starts by being obedient, by obeying His words. And then we speak His words If we obey and if we pray, we bear much fruit, much evidence of this relational love that is found in Jesus Christ. God is glorified when the work of Jesus Christ and the work of the believers who abide in the Son take place, when it takes shape. Fruitfulness is evidence of the Father at work in us and in our lives and it glorifies him the word says it brings us to the final evidence or or production of this abiding love in our lives it's growth but growth is not always pleasant i know for some of us and i'm i'm including myself i'm maybe not as far along the journey as some. But I can remember a time where I was going through that, those teenage years and was growing and, and having those growing pains. I can remember what they felt like. I, I had a real fast growth spurt between my uh, sophomore and junior year of high school. I think I went, through the summer, went into the summer um, after my sophomore year about 5'1", and came out at the end of the summer about 5'6", five, 5'7", five, about 5 inches in about 2 or 3 months. Just shot up. And, and I can remember, my, I remember my feet playing baseball that summer. My feet hurt. My, uh, my, my legs were ached all the time, and it was because I was growing. My, my, uh, my body was changing. Well, as we get older, our body changes in another way. <laughs> and we have other pains that we can relate to. They're growing pains. They're different kinds of growing pains, but they're pains nonetheless. But it's because our body changes. It's because something happens. Growth means something happens. It may hurt for a while. It may not always be pleasant. It it may mean sacrifice. It, It might mean... Again, sometimes cutting away. Uh, when, you, when you're pruning that branch, when, when, you, when you really are looking at a vine, as you, a vine dresser would, sometimes you have to cut away and you, you look at the finished product and you're like, how is that going to produce life? I can remember um, there was a bush, a crepe myrtle, right beside uh, a big bay windows at my, one of the houses we lived growing up. And when we first moved in the house, my dad cut that thing down to a nub. I'm, and I'm sure he thought he had killed it. And I think he probably wanted to kill it. <laughs> but do you know that that, that uh, crepe myrtle is now 15, 20 feet tall, 10, 15 feet wide? It's huge. It grew back. Even though it was cut down to a nub, it grew back. 
Sometimes we have to cut away. <coughs> Sometimes we have to have sacrifice. Ultimately, to produce this evidence of abiding love. That's where we're going to look next week at what it means to not only experience this abiding love, not only to know what what it is to, to hope for and to live for, but what it looks like in expression to one another and what it looks like to actually have growth and to experience growth, even though it may, again, hurt or maybe even it may cause for sacrifice. I hope you'll come back next week. I hope uh, you'll anticipate, maybe even look at the verses uh, following. We're going to look through basically, a, I think it's verse 17, verse 18, 17 or 18 in there uh, next week. Uh, we're picking up in verse 9. Uh, I hope you'll look through your, you look ahead maybe and, and, and prepare yourself for next week. And, and I, I, hope that, um, I hope that, again, you'll experience uh, this abiding love throughout your lives throughout this week. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this morning as we've gone to the text, we've, we've, we've truly witnessed the expression of the love of God the Father to the Son, Jesus Christ, and, and by extension to, to us, the branches. Father, I pray that we would never take for granted the, the, this abiding, uh, abundant love that you have for us, that you have, Lord, looked upon the, this creation and, and in your grace and in your mercy have seen it, uh, seen it fit, Lord, to, to restore the relationship, Lord, to, to stand again in the gap where we ultimately could not accomplish because of our sin, because of our choices, sometimes because of actions that are not even of our own choosing. Father, I pray that we would grow a deeper appreciation for, Lord, what you, you did on the cross what you did through Jesus Christ. That we would grow a deeper understanding of what this abiding love is really all about. And in so doing, Lord, we would start to look more and more like your disciples. More and more like your followers. More and more like the the evidence and experience, Lord, of a of a relationship that we claim to have when we call ourselves Christians. Lord, may the fruit and may the experience of our, of our lives, Lord, line up with, Lord, what we say, we believe in our hearts, with what we profess with our lips, with what we may know in our hearts and minds. Father, we, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. And it is, Lord, it is in it is his precious name we pray. Amen.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.